want to thank you for all the prayers, for all the continued prayers, for all the love. Uh, it has been really appreciated, deeply important. Things are getting better. Praise God for his grace, for the things that he does to comfort us. And thank you for what you're doing to help that alone. So love you very much. Um, I get to introduce our guest speaker today, and I want to give you a sort of frame of what I think the Lord's doing. As I told you, I think he's got us on a really important journey right now in our history. A few weeks ago, I talked about how what our identity was in Christ, and that's just a fancy way of saying, when we think of ourselves, who do we think of ourselves as? Is it us? Or is it God through us? Do we understand how much that God wants our identity to be Him through us? Now, I did it in some ways that I hope we could kind of grasp a hold of with cottonwood trees and illustrations and so on and fruit trees. And I tried to do that in a way that we could grasp it. And then Tara Lee came in the next week and just beautifully brought it really deep home to us. And what she was saying was, is, is just for example, when you... When you hear a sermon about something that, that needs to be worked on and so on, do you think about it as needing to change you? Because that's not actually what God's wanting to do. He's already done that. You already are who he wants you to be. And yeah, there's a little grime over the mirror. And yeah, maybe it needs to be wiped off. But you are. He is expressing himself through you already. That's who you are. That's what identity in Christ is. Now, thankful to John Badaman forever for stepping in at the last minute and covering us last week with the Mother's Day. God bless you, John, and thank you, everyone. And now we're back to our theme this week with Mike Hatch. And Mike Hatch has a way of talking about what it is that God is doing through us, how he's doing it, what this is all about in a way that I think is going to cause us to own so much more deeply what God is doing as he is doing this through us. As we see his identity coming up, his story coming up through our lives in this natural, wonderful, beautiful way that God does things. So Mike is a guy who really lives this. Mike is a guy who's gone after this for the 15 years that I've known him constantly. Going after how to actually bring people into a knowledge of who he is in ever better, ever deeper, ever more subtle, ever more true ways. So I want you to give a big leg and welcome to Mike Hatch. Thank you, Kurt, for that welcome and that mini sermon. Did you get it? Yes. We're good. I'm, I'm out. No, I'm serious. Just kidding. It is uh, a great honor to be able to come and talk to you today and spend time with you. I love this church body. I am connected to you so deeply. And every week when I'm here encountering your lives and encountering your stories, I'm energized by what's happening here, by the variety of lives and circumstances and people that are here. And every week there's someone new, there's a new face. And we're here because of that. Because God's revealing his story in and through this church in a way that just blesses me and challenges me. Uh, it's not always perfect, too. I mean, this morning, we're missing people and we're working things out, but the family's coming together. And I love that. The fact that it's kind of messy sometimes, it tells me that's real. Huh? It's, uh, God's really moving. My goal today is that I could inspire you to... A deeper walk with God, maybe give you a couple of ways to think about who he is that would connect you more deeply with the story that he's unfolding. I grew up in the Mormon church through my teenage years. Uh, my family went to the Mormon church down here in, in Bellevue, and um, it was just a regular part of our lives. It was something that we did. And it was never really that personal to me. I, was, I got baptized there. It was just a part of what we did. And as I grew into my teenage years, it, it was just something that I knew that was expected of me. And, you know, mostly it was kind of a bunch of rules. And um, it wasn't that personal. And at one point, we stopped going. And I didn't really know why, but I was like, by that time, I don't know if I want to 
how old was I, 16 maybe? And, uh, and that was fine with me. I was like, all right, more free time, do what I want to do, I don't have to go to church, and uh, that's great. Uh, it was a few years later that my brother, my oldest stepbrother, Jeff, was seriously hurt in a motocross accident. He was racing motocross and um, was in the hospital and he had some brain damage. And as a result of that activity, his family and his wife encouraged him to go to church, to, to get plugged in. Actually, they got him to go to a basic youth conflict seminar. Bill Gothard was here in Seattle. And he went to that seminar um, and his life was changed. He, he had an encounter with God. And I really wasn't that close to Jeff, to be honest with you. Um, we're quite a bit distant in age, and um, being a stepbrother, he didn't live with us. And so I saw his life changed, and all of a sudden he was taking an interest in, in my life. And he was buying music for me and my sister. And I wanted to know what his story was. That was the first time I think I began to encounter something personal about what God was doing. It was through his life and his story and what was happening in him. And it was just, my whole family was like, what is going, what is this? All right, well, let's go to that church. Let's find out what's going on. And we started attending Overlake Christian Church when they were meeting up here on, on Rolls Hill. Um, and I love to sing. And I've been involved in music in high school and sang in choir. And as we started getting plugged into that church, there were two significant things that happened to me. One was, I was standing in a worship service very much like what we had here this morning, and I personally had an, a spiritual encounter with God in that moment. That was the first time that it became something less about rules and it was about something that was real and what he was doing in me. And so that drew me in, and we kept going over weeks, and it wasn't like I had, you know, uh, gone and made any kind of decision. The second thing was I um, volunteered to be in the um, choir. They do the, did the Living Christmas Tree, and they had this fantastic music program. And I thought, geez, I want to do that. That's really great. So I went to the table and happened to talk to the youth pastor and say, I want to sign up for that. And... He asked a couple probing questions. You could tell right away I didn't understand <laughs> what Christianity was about. Um, and so he just said, oh, that's great. We'd love to have you. And may, I'll take you out to lunch sometime or something like that. And he kind of took an interest in my life and took me out to lunch and, and, and explained to me what Christianity was really all about. And he kind of left it in my hands. He just said, you know, this is kind of what it is. And as a result of that and the activity of God in my life at that church, I decided that this is, I want this. God, I believe that you're real, and I believe that you're, I'm encountering you, and I believe what you've done through Jesus, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go forward. They had that, the end of every service, they would have people go forward, and you'd pray, and they'd give you a Bible, and I had made my decision. It was a Monday night, it was March 10th, 1987, and I, Ron Carlson was speaking that night at Overlake about cults, He's an expert in cults and about Mormonism in particular. And uh, although that wasn't the reason I decided to accept God, that was kind of a great little capper on the experience, the journey that God was taking me on at that time. And so I went forward. And I turned around and it came out and I was overwhelmed by the people, a new family that I was encountering for the first time, who said they'd been praying for me. And that was exciting and I turned around and completely independent of me being there, here comes my mom and dad. They had gone forward too the same day. And now we get to celebrate together uh, consistently in our lives the journey that God has us on because he's brought us into a deep and personal relationship with him. <clears throat> Subsequent to that, I... I um, growing in my Christian life and being involved here, I started to ask new questions simply because I want to understand this faith that I believe. So I encountered him in a personal and a spiritual way and he drew me in 
But then I began a journey of trying to understand what is this world that you've made? And, and you've heard the sermons that I've done here before. I talked about wonder and being in awe of what God has done and looking at creation and the Big Bang um, and things from science that are a wonder. And as a result of that, um, at this church, Reasons to Believe had been here and Hugh Ross came through. I began to be attracted to what they were doing in ministry and so I got involved in Reasons to Believe. And so over the last few years, I have uh, become a certified apologist, and I talk to atheists and skeptics and go to debates and have debated people online, uh, and I serve as president of the Seattle chapter of Reasons to Believe uh, as a way to continue that conversation. And as a part of that activity, there was a part of me that said, you know, at the time I was doing the sermons about wonder, I thought, you know, God... We as a people have to look at your creation and come to know who you are. And in fact, Romans kind of talks about that in the first chapter. It says we're accountable from what's been made for knowing who God is. And so there was this thing in me of wanting to testify and talk to these skeptics and convince them of God through looking at nature and creation and what God's done in the world. And I think there's a ton of power in that, but I discovered it was not convincing. I did not find the skeptics turning to a place of faith as a result of that conversation. We had great debates. And in fact, the few times that I was able to get to the deeper element of it, there was always something personal. And every once in a while, they kind of reveal that. They were hurt by their father, or there was something going on. And their worldview and their explanations of science sort of was to justify whatever, you know, not believing or whatever they wanted to do. But I struggled with that. I thought, you know, God, there must be an undeniable way that you're revealing yourself to us. What is that? And so I began to ask new questions about that. And what I want to talk about today is what I believe is the undeniable way that God is revealing himself in the world today. John McKinnon is going to pray for us today. John, where are you? Right here. Thanks, John. I appreciate that. Lift us up and uh, pray for me and lift up another church, too. We thank you for this opportunity to wake up the day and just hear your word and feel your presence. We ask that you open our hearts with the power of discernment and to grant us the ability to want it as bad as he wants it and for us to hear his words as he preached today and that you just work through him and allow his words and expression to change and open our eyes to what you want to reveal to us. And I lift up, Lord God, I pray for Tabernacle Missionary Baptist Church and Robert L. Manaway as the pastor. And we just thank you for this opportunity and day. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, John. I love to ask these big questions and find the grand themes of things. And, and I love to uh, kind of sit back in meetings at work. One of the things I like to do is listen to what everyone else has to say. And kind of at the end, try to draw a thread through it and say, this is what I think we're saying we need to do. And, and so let's go after this. What's the objective or what's the goal that we're after? Um, I've had the good fortune of doing that here at Lake Sand from time to time. Uh, I don't know how many years ago, maybe 10 years ago, I was involved in some of the web work that we were doing, and we were trying to redo the logo of the church. And we hit a point, we're looking at photos and pictures, and this theme of water became really re relevant. And I had this idea, like, what if God was this drop of water that he, his words placed in us, and then that creates ripples in our lives and affects us, and then we become this tide, this crashing tidal wave of change upon the world and the people around us. And I'm honored that we still use this in the logo today. This is an example of the kind of themes that I love to be involved in and draw out. And because I like to ask those kinds of questions and look for the grand themes, as a part of my involvement with Reasons to Believe, um, the grand themes of what God's revelation is to us come in two forms. God being independent outside of this universe, there's two significant works that he's done to reveal himself to us. One is the book of nature. In other words, this universe, this world that we live, on, live in, all of the physical aspects of our lives, the life that we see and we know, and the uniqueness of human experience in our consciousness and creativity and artistic expression. So that's kind of this book of nature. And then the book of scripture is 
his revelation specifically to us in personal relationship and what he wants to do. His story of revealing himself to people, the Israelites, and his story of revealing himself in the form of his son coming to earth and living and dying to pave the way for us to come back into relationship with him. So these two things, book of nature and book of scripture, and I was struggling to find God's undeniable testimony in the book of nature. Although I think for most of us who've come into a personal relationship with him, it's sort of obvious. I think it's one of those things you can see it if you're looking for it. But skeptics, in most cases, they would say, well, I only allow for the material. I don't allow for the supernatural. And so I think that's where they weren't encountering him. So I turned to the book of Scripture again. I thought, okay, God, if you're not undeniable just from this world and the universe that we know, how is it that you're revealing yourself to us undeniably from Scripture? And that's what I want to talk about more deeply today. Uh, another way to express this is the idea of the hero's journey. How many of you know what the hero's journey is in writing? I see a few hands. So hero's journey is this theme behind writing or in movies and storytelling that kind of goes like this. There was a hero, a common man. The common man ventures forth from the common world and encounters a supernatural world. And it's supernatural forces, and the hero wins a victory over those supernatural forces and returns to the common world with a new power, bearing gifts to bestow on his common man. We know this very well because it's what we love to watch. There's three examples I would give you from the most popular movie franchises that we know of. One set in the past, Frodo Baggins, he's, he's the common hobbit, I guess. <laughs> From the present, set in the present, is Harry Potter. And one from the future. Any, any guesses? Star Wars. Exactly. <laughs> so we have this hero, this unassuming guy who kind of finds himself casted in a new world. Uh, it's pretty interesting if you look at each of these movie series that actually the characters have a pretty common theme too. You have the sidekick. The kind soul who stays by the hero's side and then leaves for a while but then comes back and helps to save the day. And the mentor, the wizard, who directs his way and then dies. Most of the time. The princess, the woman with vision and insight in the keys and maybe a love interest. Oh, but she's your sister. The, the gentle giant who's initially very fearsome but turns out to have a heart as big as he is and beards really help too. <laughs> Even the comic duo, right? You got the bumbling twins. <clears throat> they prove themselves in the end. The villain, the one true face of evil and black capes really help. <laughs> and the villain's armies, un inhuman, unmasked uh, and uh, surprisingly easy to kill actually. <laughs> and as I thought about the hero's journey, I realized, well, Jesus' journey is actually the uh, hero's journey. His common world was the one that he knew with his father in the spiritual kingdom, and he left that kingdom to encounter a supernatural world of our wills set against him. And he wins a victory providing the way for us to be restored in relationship, and he brings then back to God restored relationships of our lives, restored in relationship with him. So, oh, this is really interesting. So maybe part of how you're revealing yourself is through Jesus, and, and that's kind of obvious, but I found that um, the people that I was talking to, they knew that story. Today they kind of know the story of, of the Bible, and just telling that may win some. But I wanted to go deeper than that. You know, he's not physically here with us anymore. So I asked the question again. God, how do you reveal yourself to us today? How are you revealed in an undeniable way? Who are you really? And so as I was asking this question of who God was, naturally I came back to a place of thinking about who God is in essence. In other words, the trinity of God. This is part of what we have to deal with because Jesus said that he was God and we believe that he was. And God is in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is spirit, infinite, and transcendent to the world that we know. 
And I realized that here was this relationship again that, that helped cement my um, confidence in the story of Scripture and my faith in Christ because I realized that if God's going to be loving, he needs to know how to love. He needs to be in a loving relationship from eternity outside of just the relationship he wants with us. He doesn't need us to have love. He had, he had love before because he was in relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Uh, Timothy Keller, who I love to listen to, expresses it this way, God has always had within himself perfect friendship. And C.S. Lewis says it another way, all sorts of people are fond of repeating the Christian statement that God is love, but they seem not to notice that the words God is love have no real meaning unless God contains at least two persons. Love is something that one person has for another person. If God was a single person, then before the world was made, he was not love. Of course, what these people mean when they say that God is love is often something quite different. They really mean love is God. They really mean that our feelings of love, however, wherever they arise, and whatever results they produce, are to be treated with great respect. Perhaps they are, but that is something quite different from what Christians mean by the statement, God is love. They believe that the living, dynamic activity of love has been going on in God forever and has created everything else. So this is significant. So there's this hero's journey. Jesus is revealing God who is all about relationship and from eternity has been about relationship. God reminded me of a couple of times where I was able to draw people into relationship with him Early in my career at Microsoft, uh, I was managing. And as a part of managing, sometimes you have to manage people who aren't necessarily performing very well. In two particular instances, I um, was having to work with uh, guys that just really weren't doing their job, they weren't performing, and so I was having to really dig in deeply and work with them to say, this is what, what we need, this is what we need to do, can you do that? Yes, I know how to do that. Um, but it, it just wasn't going well in both cases. It was kind of continuing to deteriorate, deteriorate. And I care about people. And I could not continue to just let them struggle and just knowing that at some point I was just going to have to let them go without trying to help them. And it turned into a conversation, a, a, a deeper relationship, where I was pursuing who, who, who were they made to be who, who are they where would they find the most satisfaction and we had frank conversations about you're not really enjoying this very much anyway right i mean we're trying to do the right thing but maybe this isn't where you're supposed to be and i'm so thankful that in result of both of those occasions those conversations that those guys came to a place of relationship with god and they placed their faith in god i fired them both but God drew them in, and he was, he's helping me realize that my relationship with them and pursuing who they were and who they were made to be was fundamental to, to, a, to a drawing of them and helping them ask new questions about what their life was to be about. So I thought that was significant. And this idea of the hero's journey um, led me to the discovery of a book by a woman named Dorothy Sayers. The book is called Moneymaker. <coughs> Hello? I'm still here. <coughs> Mind of the Maker. And it, Dorothy Sayers is a poet and a playwright, kind of a contemporary of C.S. Lewis. And she, in this book, presents an analogy for the Trinity of God. I was like, oh, this is really interesting. I want to I dig into this because I'm asking these questions. God, who, who are you? How are you revealing yourself undeniably to the world? And in this book, the, the analogy that she presents goes like this. God the Father is kind of like the idea in the mind of a creative person. So an artist, a sculptor, a painter, in her case, an author. The idea for the book exists fully formed in the mind of the author. They know the story. They have it in their mind. They want to be able to tell the story. Um, and for them, it's kind of a personal experience. And this is a type 
for God the Father. The creative idea. The original thought complete at once. The end in the beginning. Then, the author needs to give the idea form. Physical, tangible, pen to paper, chisel to stone, brush to canvas, whatever that might be, music, writing the music. And this is a type for Christ. And now you have the original idea expressed again in physical form. The same idea. The original idea in the mind of the author, and now the idea written and physical. And this is a type for Christ. And then the third element of the Godhead is in the person who perceives, reads the book, and now understands the original idea, and this is a type for the Holy Spirit. Three separate expressions, independent expressions of the same idea, but dependent on each other. I thought, wow, this is mind-blowing. I thought, oh, there's got to be a weakness here, and as I go on, if you think of a weakness, I know some of you in here are really good at this. You can tell me what the weakness might be. Uh, many analogies for the Trinity have flaws in them. They, they talk about God in a way that's kind of what's called modalism and things like that. And I'm not going to get into that because, frankly, I'm not really an expert in that. So I wouldn't trust me even if I did would talk about that. <laughs> but this idea of God being represented in this idea the mind of the author, the physical expression is, is pretty immediately obvious of different ways that God has expressed himself to the world. Uh, I've talked a little bit about this already. The book of nature, well, the universe is a creative work of God. He spoke the world into existence, and there's an expression of who he is. And we should be able to trust what we see in the world. A quick sidebar, being involved in this, this topic a lot, I almost think it's sometimes more for Christians than it is for the non-Christians, to, reasons to believe and understanding science and faith. Um, they should not conflict. If you think science is lying to you and you have to explain that something that science says is a lie, I, I would encourage you to challenge yourself on that. If you have a topic you'd like to talk about, come and talk to me. Because God created the world that we know. And so our study of it shouldn't be a lie. We could talk more about that That's what I spend a lot of my time doing, but that's not what I'm here to talk about today. Life as we know it is a a, a miraculous thing and is an expression of who he is. And in our lives, as human beings, we're unique. And the image of God in us is his breath of life, his spirit. God is spirit. He breathed life into us. And our consciousness, our expression of artistic creativity that's in this theme Uh, comes from that. He's placed in us creativity. In the book of Scripture, which begins with the revelation of God to the Israelites, and then the revelation of Jesus to the world, which I've already kind of hit on in this idea of the hero's journey, is renewed in this idea of the threefold nature of God. Jesus obviously is the physical expression of God, present in the world at the perfect time that we could know him today and have faith in him. And the Bible is also a miraculous work. Even literary work by itself, the Bible stands alone as a unique unique expression of what God has been doing throughout history. And you and I, today, are unique works and creations of the Father. He has an intent in you that he's created for you to fulfill. And my hope is that as we work through this, that that's, that's what we'll be able to hit on, that you will be able to find you have a place Is God the sum of all these things? No, he's far more. No more than Shakespeare is the sum of his plays. It's not the sum of all of the works that he's done. He's much more than all of these works. But these are the Christian story, the theme of the Bible, and what it has to say is the best explanation for the world that we know. That's so convincing to me. And I think some people come to faith as a result of that realization. Um... It's also interesting that he is always doing his creative work at the perfect time. If you study science and you look at when uh, the world formed in the universe, our world formed at just the perfect time. There's no reason why that it, uh, it, it formed when it did, but to have the properties that it does, it had to exist at the right time in the age of the universe. And life comes about at the perfect time. And then his revelation to man... And his revelation of 
him, his person, Jesus Christ, to us comes at the perfect time. I don't know that if Jesus came today that it would have the same kind of impact on the world that it did when he came. I think he knew exactly what he was doing. Right at the perfect time in history where a story could be captured and it could be written down and it could be expressed in a way that we can trust it and it's authentic. So we have these three aspects. A creative idea as God the Father, the creative forms, God the Son, the creative power of the Holy Spirit. Each one, equally the whole work, but they don't exist without each other. And there's actually this kind of flow to it from the creative idea to the form to the expression in, in the Holy Spirit. I think there's also some things that we could learn from this too. We need all three. If we just have God the Father, this creative idea in us, we can be all about doctrine and rules and the idea of it, like preaching to everybody all the time in a way they're like, oh, don't invite him over. He's always preaching all the time, you know. You could be pretty God-ridden, Right? You can't just have the idea. You need to be able to give it form. And if you're only full of the work, I think you're going to burn yourself out. You could just get involved in doing work all the time and just trying to express it. You can't be connected from the original idea and let God inform your activity. I love the way that Christine told her story this morning about why she did what she did and when she did it. God was unfolding in her the story of her life and drawing her into a new thing. And thirdly, can't be ghost-ridden. If we're just all full of passion and expression and like just manifestations, we don't have the work directing that passion and the idea directing the work, then we're just a clanging gong, crashing cymbal, right? <clears throat> we have to represent all three of these. But, great, what does this really have to do with us? I come back to the original question. God, how are you revealing yourself in the world today in an undeniable way? If God's telling this story, if he's revealing himself, then his intent in creating us was to be in relationship with us. But we fell out of it. We fell out of the story. We, we kind of chose to tell our own story. Right? In the fall, we rejected that relationship. God was always about relationship, and he's trying to just pursue us in relationship, but we're kind of, no thanks. I want to tell my story. I'm more about me. That, that's sort of the essence of the problem we have, isn't it? We'd rather be all about us rather than it be about him. <clears throat> we became captive to a different story. Romans 8 talks about this, captive, the idea of captive to the flesh rather than captive to the spirit. But he died to restore us. Jesus came and revealed who God was so that we could be restored into that original relationship. We could become part of the story. And I find it interesting that Jesus said that he had to return to the Father. So, okay, God, what is this about? Fold, you came, you revealed yourself to us. So that had an impact on the world. The, people, the men and women who saw you went to their deaths believing in you. Okay, but you're not really here today. Uh, why? Why did you have to go back and you had to send the Holy Spirit? What is, what is that about? I'm going to come back to it, but it talks about for Christ. King us and up here. Packs here. <laughs> we become the story. John 17 talks about it this way. Jesus is praying for us and he's, his goal is that we become one, heart, one of heart and one of mind. Just as you father in me and I in you so they might be one heart and mind with us. Okay, well that kind of resonates with this idea of the storytelling, right? You really want us to, to be one with you that the world might believe that you in fact sent me. Okay, so here God is how you want to reveal yourself in an undeniable way. How do we become one? So you have this creative idea, creative form, creative expression, and Jesus saying that I in them, that they may be one with us. So he's not here today now, but we are. And we've come to a place of knowing who he is. That's okay. So you want us to take your place in the story, Jesus. 
You want us to be the expression of what you're doing. And then I found, again, the, the greatest commandments that Jesus gave in Matthew 22. Love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Wow, okay. Connective to the creative idea. God, you want us to know who you are. You want us to be one with your son, to transform to the image of your son. And the second command is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. We need to be full of the expression of God's story to the people around us. The Trinity and the greatest commandments it's, are one and the same, and we're involved in his story. He wants you and I to be expressing our story to the world around us. It, it, Kurt talked about identity, knowing who God is and what he does. That helps us know who we are and what we do. It's, it's kind of the same idea, isn't it? We have to be God's story. We have to tell our testimony. We have to be expressing what he's doing. Because if you're standing in front of someone and they're skeptical, there's no way that they can deny that you're standing there in their presence, and there's no way that they could argue with you about the story of what God's done in your life and how he's drawn you to them, to him. And I don't think that we really have to be anything special. I, I, for a while, I, you know, maybe I got involved in apologetics. I thought I had to do something special. I had to learn how to tell the story or you know, go through evangelism class or something like that. And I realized it, it's actually just a part of who I am, God. You created me. So pursue the things that you feel interested in doing that you uh, would like to do and God will begin to reveal himself and express himself through your life. I, uh, since coming back to this church, have got involved in singing again. And uh, Kevin Perales and, and I talked, he did a sermon on worship and he had us sing a little bit and I went up to him afterwards and I said, hey, you want to sing? That's cool. Hey, my dad sang Barbershop. I, I want to do that. That's really cool. And he said, hey, I sing in this chorus. And I've gotten involved in Northwest Sound Men's Chorus over the last year or so. And I find life in that. I mean, it's just wonderful to be able to sing. But more importantly, I am telling my story way more. And it's just because I've gotten involved in something that's just a natural expression, outgrowth of, of who I am and what I want to do. I also think about my dogs. I have two Akitas. I should have put a picture in the deck, but two, two big, 100, almost 100-pound 100 Akitas. And I am shocked. If you have pets, you kind of know that they're comfortable. They're just, they're there. They love to be with you. They're like not at ill at ease. They can sit there all day long, and it's cool. They're, they're not upset, right? Why is that? I think it's because they're just being who they were created to be. They just want to be with us, right? They just want to be with us all the time. They're not thinking about themselves, and so they're not ill at ease. They're not, you know, like, oh, what am I going to do now? I think, I think we have a problem with that today, don't we? We're like ill at ease. We don't know how to be comfortable. In our, but this is part of how we find what we're supposed to be, isn't it? If we're telling our story and we're becoming who God's created us to be and we're telling his story, then it's natural. And God will continue to draw people to him through our storytelling. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, if you ask anything in my name. He wants us to do the works that he did, and greater works than he did. Frankly, if I was really honest with you, one of the things that I struggle with today is why we don't see that. And I think this might be part of the reason why, because we've gotten caught up in a bunch of stuff that really isn't just about being who God created us to be, expressing what he's doing in us that draws other people into relationship with him, and then we do life together. I, uh, I came to this church uh, about 15 years ago. My daughter Kaylee was about one year old when we first started coming to Lake Sam. And we're connected to this body. But we decided to take a break for a while. We left the church a few years ago and spent a couple of years away. 
in part it was because I kind of was ill at ease maybe with Kurt a little bit and kind of thought I wasn't getting what I, you know, expressing what God wanted to do in me. And so I just decided, okay, we're, we're just going to go. There's something new. God's going to go do something new in us. And we floated for quite a while. We went to different churches in the area, great churches in the area, but we never got connected. I just had this expectation because I had it here, right? We walked in, it was like family. And I thought, oh, God will do that. We'll find our place. But we didn't. So after a couple of years, I thought, okay, let's go see what's going on at Lake Sam. Let's go back. And you were so full of life. And Kurt was doing this work with Empowered where he was releasing you to be who God empowered you to be. And I thought, I'm undone. Like, wow, that's some of the arguments that I had are gone. Look what's happening. People being empowered to be. And you know, and I talked about being messy earlier. We saw that. Like, oh, I love that. It's kind of messy. It's not perfect. People are trying. Oh, I'm going to give a word. Oh, I don't know. Mm, Not sure that sat right with me. Oh, that's awesome. Because we're trying. We're expressing what God's doing in us and finding and discovering who we are and how he wants to express himself. I think it was really brought home for me when I saw this verse again in Revelations 12. They've conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Jesus already did the blood part. So it's really just about our testimony, isn't it? Our life story, telling what God's doing in us, is the way that God presents himself to the world. You are his undeniable story. I don't know what's next for me, but I'm excited about what God's doing because I know that this is a place where he's doing it. I'm excited even just to be here and to be able to speak to you because I know as a result of this conversation, there's going to be new things that happen, new conversations with you and new opportunities that God's going to bring into my life that then I can go out and see him drawing more, drawing more people to himself. We love stories. We love the movies. Really, I think it's about you and me, isn't it? What God's doing in us. So my question for you is, what's your hero's journey? Lord, thank you for what you're doing in and through us today. How you're transforming us, each character, unique and different or maybe we're the sidekick, Lord, and maybe, maybe we're the bumbling twins. <laughs> or maybe we're the enigmatic wizard. Let's hope we don't have to die. But, uh, <laughs> Lord, I pray that you would use the story of our lives to draw the themes of the story that you're telling in the world today more deeply. That it would draw people to you who are confronted by worldviews that deny who you are. And that they would be drawn because they can't deny the personal testimony of the work that you've done in the life, in our lives, in my life. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Thanks for sharing. Oh, I'm so loud. Sorry. Turn me down just a tad. Um, Man, Mike, that's good. <laughs> like, I was sitting there just like, writing notes as fast as I could. Uh, I just want to say, and I hope you understand this as a compliment based on what you said in your sermon, but thanks for trying. Like, thanks for, thanks for willing to stand up and be vulnerable. And, um, man, I personally am just excited to have you back and have Chantel back. And I guess Kaylee, and she never talks to me, but um, I'm glad to have her back. And, um, man, I'm just, I'm glad that not only are you back, but you're willing to be vulnerable and, and share your story with us. So I just love that. Um, reach in front of you, as Kurt would say, and, and there's two cups. Uh, great, can I get one? <laughs> and uh, we'll take communion right now. God, thank you. Thank you for today, God. And I thank you, as Mike shared, that your death, 
was a plan, God, that it was a plan to restore us, uh, plans for a future with us, God. So we take the bread in our hands, and um, I love what Kurt says, we reach in and we break it. And just acknowledge what that means, God, that you, your body was broken for us, God. May we walk away just with the greater knowledge of that restoration. So take it. And we lift the cup, God, of, of your blood. And we thank you, God, that we have one by the blood of the Lamb. God, we, we take it not lightly, but with the full understanding of what that really meant, God. That, of, that you sent your Son, God, for us. Take it. Thank you, ushers, for coming forward this morning. You know, when when pastors have to leave or, you know, are there on a Sunday, I think I just can imagine what goes through Kurt's head and what goes through Julie's head. Is the building on fire? You know, did the coffee get out? Did the worship happen? Did the sermon go well? And, uh, man, I'm just glad that we have a body that's willing to step in the gap. And, and I don't want them to have to worry about a thing while they're gone. And that includes our offerings. I don't believe that um, our offering is Kurt dependent. <laughs> um, I believe, you know what I mean? I believe that um, we're just called to give and that's what we're going to do. And so, God, we just give you this offering. God, we give you what is yours. We give it back to you. Thank you for the blessings that we were given. God, may you use it to further your mission at this church. God, may and also may you reveal what that mission is daily to us. God, may we as a church, understand our hero story, God. So we give this offering to you. In Jesus' name.
Let's sing that one more time. Closer and closer, we want to know you. Reaching out, reaching out. Here in your presence, we want to go deeper. In your life, come alive. Father, help us to remember that your purpose in coming was not only to save us, and we thank you for it. But Lord, the hope of the world is Christ in us, the hope of glory, and to show him, and to show him off. And Lord, to be relentless about you with our neighbors, with our friends, with our family, and God, even our enemies. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Thank you, Lord, for what we heard this morning. In Jesus' name. Have a great week. Uh, Mike's probably going to be in the back, I hope, so you can talk to him if you have questions. We have prayer in the back there uh, underneath the cross, very appropriate. Hope you have a great week. God bless.